0: Wednesday night and it's Card Authority time. Well, we are on an eve of another release. Booty Stars 2021. As always, there's mayhem, there's excitement, there's fury. But overall, we are in an incredibly exciting time for the community. And there's no one more excited than the main man himself, my co-host, AJ number 2 how are you sir
1: I'm good I'm good AJ how are you it's uh, it's been a, a big uh, a big week I think what is it it's only Wednesday but it's uh, it feels like it's uh it's Friday it feels to me like it's the weekend already it's been a a massive a, a massive yeah,
0: it, it does feel like it's been a long week let me just check we have got some sound here yeah we do beautiful um Yeah, it feels like it's been a long week, and obviously, you know, you and I are involved in a whole different range of things, not only in the card space, but also in the real world with our businesses, and we've also got a couple of things going on, which we will talk about later on, or probably next week, actually. But um, yeah, it's certainly a very busy time, and um, let me just sort of probably say right on the outset, too, that... This is something that someone posted the other day on Good Vibes and also you've mentioned previously. Everyone just be aware that new releases bring out the good and the bad in people. And they're normally incredibly extreme. Everyone is pepped up with emotion. Everyone is stressing out, all that kind of stuff. So just just be kind to each other. Everyone is, you know, in different situations and worrying about all sorts of things. And I guess I'm just kind of putting that on the table right away at the start of the night, because I, um, you know, we're happy to have, you know, open conversations about all sorts of stuff and people, we want you to ask questions, but, um, yeah, just remember that everyone is, is, is a little bit more highly strung than they would be in usual times. And I know you certainly pointed that out to me last year. Um, but yeah, so look, welcome to the show. Lots of people are coming through. um, also. Hi, everyone
1: that is uh, saying hi in the comments. Good yeah, evening. Good afternoon
0: if you're in the West Coast. G'day, Lucas. Also, Kane, well done. Really doing doing a great job over at Box Break TV. We've had a number of people talk to us about that. I even jumped in a break with theirs the other day. I'll follow suit with you. Yeah. <laughs> I saw you yeah. and I gave
1: it a shot a few minutes later as so. well.
0: Yeah. I mean, Footy Stars breaks. Who doesn't want to get involved? <laughs> Plap, how are you? Cameron, how are you? Oh, Gribbler, Gribble's in the chat as well.
1: There he is, AJ3. Yeah,
0: AJ3. G'day, Mason. G'day, Adam. Uh, Stephen, we'll come back to your question in a second. Asha. Crispy. Oh, you keep going. Beautiful. Everyone's on the chat. Fantastic. Corey. Gareth. Anyway, guys, keep me coming through um look obviously you know it's a, a new release everyone's super excited um i mean look questions are coming through i'm happy to get say you have you get stuck straight into them as they're coming out janks and then we'll yeah maybe before
1: around. before we get into footy stars you want to just maybe should we have a bit of a, a little oh
0: what was that nba thing that you were talking me about yeah, yeah there's yeah. obviously
1: there's been some really big news uh in the in the trading card world in general in the last few days or in the last couple of weeks actually for those that are tracking the nba stuff the the uh the all, all what you'd call probably the the retro stuff almost or all the the big rookies and stuff including Jordan from the 80s and even a bunch from the 90s and early 2000s have started to rise dramatically we saw two Jordan rookies um two, two Jordan rookies sold for uh, three quarters of a million dollars a piece which was massive massive and especially considering like the month on month rises so that's been really interesting um today actually golden auctions for those who aren't familiar with golden auctions they're the ones that generally auction off most of the the huge cards that we're seeing set records so you know the the mickey mantle record setter and and all the things that we've seen in not just the last few months but for years they've been uh been one of the big u.s auction houses and uh today an announcement was made that uh a conglomerate of uh, NBA players and some social influencers took a forty million dollar stake in Golden today. So, wow, if that's not uh, if that's not more confidence being instilled into into the market from from the mainstream, effectively, then then yeah, I don't really know what is. So,
0: absolutely, it's been
1: it's been huge. It's interesting. The, the modern rookies, your Lucas, your Zion's, and your Jars and things like that, they seem to have gone down slightly in the last few weeks. Yep. But Jor- Jordan's, Kobe's. LeBron's like all their rookie cards are just going absolutely nuts at the moment. And even a lot of the, the uh, more obscure older rookies and stuff as well, which is pretty cool. So that's all happening on that front. And then otherwise we've been all consumed with footy and it looks like a lot of people want to talk about footy here tonight.
0: So just quickly. So obviously you and I have talked about at length that a big part of this trading card boom, not only globally, but also locally is getting mainstream attention. And if you've got these athletes and these investors looking to, dump let's say a a substantial amount of money into that segment do you think that's another validation sign that um more mainstream people are getting into this because just like because these guys are athletes doesn't mean they're necessarily collectors
1: no well that's right but it's also it's yeah it's reflective of a much bigger and broader marketplace now i suppose for trading cards and what's interesting is we're even starting to see some of these celebrities come out of the woodwork and show off card collections that they may have had for 20 years, which yep. they've never ever shown in the past because it was something that they almost kept hidden. Um, as I've sort of said before, I think I'm pretty sure I've said it on this show before, it, card collecting, because it's being talked about so much because it's so, so much is going on with it, it's become a very cool thing all of a sudden. It's become yep. something that people are really passive about in talking about, and it's not something people necessarily talked about in conversations, in social circles and things like that. Now, I swear at the moment, well, we can't party because we're in lockdown, but that conversation yeah, no topic, the no conversation anymore. topic seems to be, uh, you know, the life of the party at the moment. The two things everyone's talking about, cryptocurrency and trading cards at the moment. I, I don't know if it's just me, but that's what what my general consensus is at the moment. And every time there's a big news piece, whether it's international or local, it just pumps it up like that Channel 9 one a couple of weeks ago, which had Cherry featured on everything. I yep. copped so many random phone calls and WhatsApp messages and stuff after that from random people all just mysteriously finding their 1990s and 80s uh, basketball cards and stuff. So, yep. yeah.
0: Yep, it's absolutely. Uh, inter- absolutely.
1: interesting times for sure. So,
0: All right, look, let me just knock a question off. Uh, you know, this is obviously going to be talked about a lot, all right, from Stephen, Big question, boys. Will Footy Stars 21 sell out? And if so, when? Okay, let me just... Um, confirm a couple of little things which I did talk about uh, on Good Vibes this week. So Footy Stars 2021 or Footy Stars as a product is a little bit different. Um, opposed to a strictly hobby product that goes direct to consumer and just to hobby stores, it's a lot easier for it to sell out. Footy Stars is a little bit different because it's a mass market product, which is probably the, the best way to describe it. You've got a huge allocation to service stations supermarkets, news agencies, 7-Elevens, then hobby stores, and then obviously what Select is selling online. And again, look, I'm just talking about this from my own observations. I don't know any numbers or the details or how that's split up, but there's going to be a portion of stock that they're going to put on the Select website that they've informed us. And then the rest of the other stock, which is going to come over two shipments, which is pretty normal because the supermarkets like it to be delayed, is going to be sort of spread out over a month so to circle back to that i think there is a very good chance that the stock is going to sell out very quickly on the select website but don't stress you are going to be able to go to your 7-eleven or your local caltex or your news agent sometime over the next couple of weeks and you're going to be able to pick up a box are you going to be able to buy a case well probably not i think the days of mass cases being around everywhere are gone there are some cases available i think it's a one case limit on the select website who knows how many there will be um yeah. but i feel like this is all being set up to provide as many boxes to users and customers that they want yeah so i think the cases will sell out very quickly i think you know your starter packs will sell out very quickly but how long do you think it'll be till boxes sell out on the website
1: um so it's I don't know, my opinion is continuing to sway all over the place at the moment because you know, we're obviously tracking a lot of different metrics and a lot of different data points that represent the sentiment of the community. And then we take that sentiment measurement, and we're talking pure numbers here. We look at that sentiment measurement and we turn it into a, a basically a measurement of demand, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The reality is what we're seeing at the moment. And not just with respect to a Series 1 product, but what we're seeing at the moment with respect to AFL and in general, it's fair to say that our data points are actually like off the charts at the moment. Absolutely. It's it's absolutely unprecedented the way we measure. So we then have to look at that and say, okay, well, the scientific side of the measurement of the numbers and how it actually plays out and, and do those correlate? well. With respect to the previous releases, let's look at Brilliance, Dominance, which are the two other releases we were around for, running Card Authority. Yep. We looked at the same metrics and the same sort of data points, and we seem to have forecasted really, really well down to a, an absolute T, to be honest, what happened with, with the sales. Yep. Um, as you've said, though, it's absolutely different. You can't compare the two because the geographical nature of a product like Footy Stars hasn't been accounted for or factored into all of this. So when we talk about something in terms of sellout with respect to footy stars, and when I'm talking about it, and when I say something like, I think it's gonna be gone in 60 seconds, I'm talking in a very particular way, just like you you explained then is when I say, I think cases and starter packs are going to sell out in 60 seconds. And I actually think it's gonna be quicker than that. I reckon it's gonna be cases in 30 seconds and starters in probably 60 seconds. Um, on the select website, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about on their website, which is the main public re- direct to consumer, direct to public release, that's where it will sell out. I would think if it instantly sells out at that level, well then the likes of your, your cherries and your EJs and your APT collectibles, all those guys, their websites get immediately smashed. I think that by the end of that day, or by the end of Sunday, which is the pre-release day, I can't see how there's really anything other than some loose boxes and loose packets available. I just maybe some, don't... Com- maybe some combos. Like- yeah, and some combos and stuff like that. But who, who knows? This could be so crazy that even the boxes go. Yeah. But in talking about the context of is it an actual total product sellout? Well, not at a retail level, because yeah. at a retail level, there's going to be stores in all sorts of what you would call, you know, regional markets or regional locations or or secondary market locations where little supermarkets and, you know, the service stations and post offices or whoever else has it, um, 7-Elevens, whatever it is, and those are just going to get purchased a packet at a time sort of thing, and they'll trickle through. And then, as you said, there's there's that additional drop that's coming in April as well, and my expectation is at that point, well, that will get snapped up to two. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And and, and that's the thing, like if you, you know, Jason's pointed out there, Look, I haven't done the math yet. I've been too busy. But he's right. It sounds about right, about 2,400 cases. I would go as far to say, and this is just a guess, at least half of those are going to that supermarket Caltex newsagent network, like yeah. if, if if not more. Um, so you know, what's actually being put on the Select website is probably 10 15% of that number would be my guess, just to the guess. Uh, look, I, I don't know. I, I would have thought the
1: way the model seems to continue to go with trading cards is more and more direct to consumer. So my yeah. expectation is that there would be a pretty reasonable amount of stock available direct to public on release. But as you said, I, I think the cases is a really interesting one. 2400 sounds like a lot of cases as, as Jason's mentioned, yeah. but it really isn't that many, not in this environment. 12 months ago, 12 months ago, 400 cases, 500 cases, <clears throat> we're getting snapped up in seconds. So 2,400 cases, which don't have as high as a price barrier when anyone can go and pick them up at whatever they are, twelve or $1,300 a case. Yep. Well, a lot more people have access to that sort of expenditure and the ability to buy that. It's very different to buying dominance at 2,800 a case, You know, where a yep. lot of people are priced out of the market from the outset. So I think as much as Footy Stars is not a hobby product or not a designated hobby product. It is a product that is much more accessible. And with what's going on at the moment and the level of participation in the hobby at a collector level, at a breaks level, at a flipping level, at a speculative level, at every single level, it all contributes to that that underlying demand that we're seeing there. And we're seeing that demand at the moment translate into pre-release hysteria, basically.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, and look, I think that, There's also a whole new range of collectors that are coming in. And, you know, I guess I'm part of that new breed that I look at something like a footy stars this season, comparing it to, say, a footy stars in 2017 or 2018, which is trash. Do you know what I mean? There's literally nothing in it except a brown predictor. Whereas I look at this series and I'm like, I can genuinely get excited about the predictors, the marquee cards, the the bang card, the game breakers card, the acetate, you know, granted, they're not all numbered, but they are definitely cards. I can get excited about. Yeah. So I feel like as much as it's still a mainstream product, it's knocking on the door to becoming more collectible and more hobby. It's but, showing it's showing that, that DNA.
1: There's no, and there's no doubt that last year, 40 stars 2020 was a game changer when they introduced a one in two case hit. That was an absolute game changer because all of a sudden you had something that was comparable to a to basically an influential at the time sort of thing. Like it was, it was being looked at. People looking at it, going, "Well, that's almost the equivalent of an influential or a future Hall of Fame card or something like that." That was a big game changer. There was changes to collation and structure last year as well, which I thought was had a very positive effect for the collectors community. Um, and as a result of that, it looks like they've continued down the same path. I'm pretty impressed. Let's be honest. Like the product's absolutely loaded at the moment, from what we've seen. It's hard absolutely. to know what things are going to sell for as singles on the secondary market, but all these cards, the way they've spaced them out in terms of how they hit and everything like that, that Coleman Predictor is just an absolute ripper. Absolutely, absolute. and, and the, yeah.
0: we'll go through the cards a little bit later. Matty Tarr um, just mentioned about what impact will the one K one max per K. Uh, blah, blah, blah what impact will the max of one case per household have? Well, Matt, I'd probably say that all the the standard collectors that want to do it with their kids, they're probably not looking to buy cases. I think the people looking to buy cases are probably breakers, retail outlets that have missed out, bigger collectors that want to get a little bit more ammunition to trade, things like that. Yeah, Um, I strongly believe anyone that wants to go and buy a box is not going to have a problem getting a box. Are there going to be people upset that aren't going to get a case?
1: You sure. know, you know, it's really interesting, AJ. You and I, we had we share a very similar sentiment. Obviously, we believe the hype is real and the demand Absolutely. is there. The demand is there. We're keeping a lid on it to an extent, though, as well. I'll yeah. tell you what. I am obviously reading these comments in real time, as you are too. Yeah. And I'm
0: trying. I'm trying to obviously keep up with them. Obviously, guys, there's yeah. hundreds. Yeah. Of people.
1: I- I'm there. just like. Wow, are we even still underestimating this thing? Because everyone's look at the comments. It's people talking about there'll be sca- scavenger, there's gonna be scavenger hunting in shops. Stephen Costello saying his store will this the stock will never actually see the shelf. So that actually begs the question. How many people have gone already to their local supermarket, news yeah. agent 7-Eleven, yeah. and said, are you getting this? And when you get it, don't even put it on the counter. I'm buying it. Hold it for me. Does it yeah. become like an EB game situation where yeah. they have to – everything's on pre-order, NBA cards, Pokemon cards now. They don't even hit the shelf at all. Is, so, is that is that where we're
0: going? Maybe. So that begs a good question and look hi to the Cherry Boys that have just posted something about Hoops, which I'll touch on in a second. But does that mean then in future years, if there is that much demand for a Series 1 product, do they need to be looking at doing bigger direct-to-customer sales so that people can get a couple of boxes or ca- get a couple of packets or whatever it might be? Are we going to get to a tipping point, just like what the Cherry guys have said? I presume that's Dale or Blake, so g'day, guys. That's Charlie, um, I reckon. Oh, it's Charlie. Huh? Well, um, you, know, you know, is it going to be like what Hoops was like with NBA this year? Where the cherry guys did really reasonably priced pre-sales, 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 you're talking a couple of months before it landed, and I guess they can probably give us a little bit more data, um, but clearly it was unbelievably popular.
1: You so know, it's not so much. It's interesting. So I don't proclaim to know a whole lot about NBA cards. I've certainly obviously dabbled in it. Yeah, I don't. I'm certainly no expert on it a year ago literally like last january i didn't know anything about nba cards since i'd collected in the 90s and my first foray for 20 years in or whatever it was in nba cards was literally i happened to be it was either target or kmart and i saw these nba hoops packets and they were like three bucks or something like it was like three or four dollars on the shelf i bought a bunch of them took them home opened them up fantastic that was fun I happened to go back a few weeks later at Chadson Shopping Centre and I saw Prism. Like, I'm like, oh, what are these? It's a bit more expensive. These look cool. I took them. I cracked them open. Fantastic. Then three months later, I started to have this real sinking feeling because of the cost of those packets. One, they were unavailable. You couldn't find them anywhere. And wherever you could find them, the price was astronomical. Fast forward 12 months, mate, those people, by the time the, the staffers are walking the trolley over to the shelf, they've been swooped before they even hit the, 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 the rack. Like you, you just can't, like it's, this stuff's like unattainable now. And I'm assuming that's the first time it happened with Hoops where Hoops after a couple of months after release, it, it could not be found anywhere for like less than double or triple the recommended retail price. Yeah. Prism another story altogether and same with all the other releases, but-
0: So you can, know, I, can yeah. I just touch on that, you know, Anthony Gatt has just made a really good point here there's 30,000 boxes.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think just off the top of me, that's based on two and a half thousand cases. So I think you're absolutely spot on there, Gat. 30,000 boxes. So even if Select are only selling a small portion of that, there is 30,000 boxes floating around in the ecosystem. You know, you look at something like Brilliance where there was 2,100. Yeah. And you could buy two each. So only effective or 2,200. There's only a thousand customers. Even Mm -hmm. at a six box limit, 5,000 people can buy six boxes. Yeah. Relax, everyone. There's plenty of boxes floating around. Um, plenty of boxes. Time will tell, eh? Hey? A few uh,
1: days and we're going to have a very good idea of where things land. And I think it's obviously not just collectors trying to buy, buy the stock. There's a variety of different people buying the stock. Okay, so-, so,
0: so that's a good question. We haven't been asked that in chat yet. Do you think this is a product that the flippers are going to come in and attack? Absolutely, So
1: I think every product is now. I think it's no so, longer about a product. It's just the marketplace, it's the hobby. It's just how it is now. Every, okay. Everything is viewed as flippable because the amount of people involved create a, a demand that outstrips the supply. So unless we move to a junk wax era where they're producing, where that 30,000 packs becomes 300,000 packs, yep. we're always looking at a relatively limited quantity of cards relative to head of population, which then can then be extrapolated down to amount of people who participate in a a market segment or in this instance, a hobby. Yeah.
0: If if there's 30,000 boxes floating around that ecosystem, whether that number's right or wrong, let's just use that for conversation's sake. And the flippers come in and we know that this stock is going through select in a theory, the first run, and then going into service stations and supermarkets predominantly in the second run is that mean that there's a chance that the flippers price is capped or does it you know can they get burnt because surely surely there gets to a point where there's so much stock coming in that it doesn't matter hard hard to say
1: um and Jason Cremona has just made a comment saying everyone in the hobby is a flip serious say, people. Yeah. I have yeah, to think yeah. for those I, that I are like that, yeah. for those that are not uh, hugely familiar with the hobby and tuning in, we are aware we have a lot of uh, newcomers on deck with uh, with Card Authority at the moment. We are reaching a, a pretty interesting audience. Um, mm-hmm. So what we're referring to when we say a flipper is someone that is buying something with the intent just to turn it over for profit so it's a purely it's purely transactional with the intent of, of business and making money and, mean, and, and, and not, there, isn't a collector, there isn't a collector's aspect to it in this yeah, instance, right, we're yeah. talking about it that way however in broad terms what Jason is saying is exactly right at one point or another every person every collector is a flipper because we, we, we all buy cards acquire cards, buy boxes, packets, whatever it is, and then we use those cards to get other cards that we want. So even if we're a collector, we can't claim that we don't flip cards because how else would we achieve our collection? Trading cards, selling cards to buy other cards, whatever it is, it's ultimately all flipping cards. So I just do want to clarify that in the context of this conversation, we're talking about people that are very specifically have no actual interest in the hobby, really, And no interest necessarily in AFL trading cards. They see an opportunity to make money out of an ecosystem that's there at the moment. And I think it naturally makes sense. And then you start to couple that with, we got a whole bunch of people priced out of the NBA market at the moment because it's exploded too much. It's gotten too high, the prices and everything like that. And those people happen to be a lot of them Australians who also support Australian rules football. And as a result, they get involved a little bit in some AFL, maybe a break, or maybe you get a card or a RAS or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden they want to start collecting cards too. So there's there's also that's why we're seeing a price rise in rookies and DPSs, in my opinion, that people who have a NBA and international trading card mentality have moved in, they're starting to collect, and the first thing they want to buy is rookies and DPS, because there is a belief in their mind that traditionally those are the cards that will hold the most value and appreciate over the long term as an investment
0: yeah for sure and look i, I just want to put this up and i and i again I, I don't like going too negative on stuff scott marsh has just made this comment here there's flipping and then there's greed a lot different now scott we've talked about this many many times on the show people can set whatever price they want for something if it's a hundred dollar box and they want to go and put it on ebay for 500 <laughs> as soon as someone comes and buys that box for 500 Yes, it could be perceived that it's greedy, but that shows the market is valuing it at that price. So I don't think greed, greed is not a great word there. Everyone wants to get the most for what they've got. I don't about doing trades and stuff like that, but if you're selling something, if it's worth $200, why would you take $100? So I wouldn't necessarily call it greed, um, but if someone's willing to pay that amount of money for it, it shows there's a demand for it.
1: Yeah, and look, I'm a, obviously, as you know, and as our longer-term uh, listeners here, viewers, whatever, people within the hobby and the community would know, I'm a, a huge believer and an advocate of a free marketplace where <clears throat> it's the participant, the consumer, the collector, who, sh- who, who will ultimately decide what something is worth This is no different to other markets and the market forces that are in play. It's very much an economics based thing here. And the underlying factor will always be supply and demand. Supply and demand is what is what creates perception around what something is worth. Something is only perceived to be worth that amount until the day it sells. And when it sells, it sets a precedent or a temporary benchmark until the next time it sells. And you have that constant battle between the buyer and seller. And it's a matter of who's going to concede. If it's a seller's market, then the sellers are less likely to concede and the prices keep going up. A buyer's market, they start to flood. It's no different to to other other marketplaces like shares. And I don't like the idea of conflating trading cards in that way because I myself am, am a collector. I'm a collector. You know, first and foremost, I'm a collector. And that's how I got into this but the reality is those exact same market forces are at play and there's a lot there's a lot bigger picture going on here than simply just people buying trading cards for collections there's a whole variety of different things going on that people may not be attuned to because they're not sitting right there on the surface but there's you know there's hedging against inflation taking place at the moment in trading cards where people believe currency is going to devalue so they're buying up all forms of collectibles those are much more sophisticated people than people that just collect trading cards. They are people that are hedging money on on cards and other things. So we, we just need to be mindful that there's all sorts of stuff going on here and something ultimately is only worth what someone else is prepared to pay
0: at that given point in time. Yep. And if they don't want to pay it, it's going to sit there unsold. So, um, and again, this is where it all gets down to my comment that I made at the top of the show that... Just because you want something and you collect something, don't get shitty at someone for selling it for the price that they want to get it for. They want to sell for it. If you don't want to buy it, that's fine. Move on. Don't worry. But unfortunately, if other people are buying that and spending the money on that at that price, well, I mean, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, you know. The, the market will decide what things are worth, whether it's a single card or a sealed box. Or anything.
1: Yeah, and the market being the people. So if the expectation is that every single person that's on this stream right now is planning on going and buying a case on Sunday morning, well, I think it's fair to say it's going to be sold out pretty quickly because everyone on this stream right now and watching the show is just a sample size representation of the broader amount of people that are, that are interested yeah. in buying a product like this. So... Okay. Yeah. When, when, when I put up polls and things like that on Good Vibes and I say like, hey, you know, what's everyone's plan? I'm buying a case, I'm buying a box, I'm buying starter packs, I'm going in breaks, whatever it is, it's a great opportunity for everyone to get a bit of an idea from each other as to what's about to happen and what's about to take place. It's a real life measurement, yeah.
0: Yeah, and look, and I'll touch on also just loosely on breaks too. And obviously, you know, people that know us well enough know that we're obviously involved in RGV breaks, but we're also big supporters of the break community as participants. Um, and you touched on some really good points last night in the live stream on RG Victories that. People think that breakers are being greedy and manipulative and all this kind of stuff, but there's a certain economics that if a case is sold for $1,200 on Sunday, it sells out in two seconds, and your breaker, whoever it might be, goes and buys that case for $1,500 on Wednesday, and then they need to buy top loaders, they need to do um, shipping, they need to do all those sorts of things, and the time of sorting, whatever, and suddenly that case comes out at being two thousand dollars effective case price don't scream at the breakers if you don't want to be involved that's fine but there's a certain cost of business to do these things and every every breaker could you know every breaker has the choice to set whatever price they want for their breaks again the market is going to dictate whether they want to get involved with it but you know support the breakers you want to support get involved in the shows that you want to get involved It's an entertainment. It's a lot of fun. Like, you know, as I said, you know, we saw Kane at, you know, Box Break TV put a break up really early yesterday. We both jumped in that. I saw Fast Breaks did a break this afternoon. Cherry did a break this afternoon.
1: EJs did two picks. EJs
0: were one of the first, yeah. I mean, even Crispy, you know, Peter Crispy's, I've been doing some breaks at the moment as well. And the the overriding um, feeling is, the breaks that are selling out and they pretty much all have show that there is a demand at a, up to a certain price point. So don't hate on the breakers for actually busting the product and getting these cards out there because you know, they're not the evil enemy. They want as many cards out as possible. Yes. They make some money you know, they've got to get paid for their time, but it's so much better than a hundred or 200 cases sitting in someone's warehouse Gathering dust for a Well, the cards days. will never be,
1: see the light of day. And that's the other thing about a, bo- a, bo- a booming hobby at the moment means the product is being opened and unlike how it used to be, there's not stuff, you know, there isn't 30 40% of print runs sitting in warehouses for eternity when no one actually has the chance to complete a set. And I think we've really seen that happen the last few months with Certified 16 where you had this, ho- this back catalogue of inventory sitting there that's now been, the breakers bought it all up. And had the breakers not broken it and people not bought into the breaks, the cards wouldn't be with on the market. The cards wouldn't be in people's collections available. So there's cards that, like for my PC, you know, I've been searching for years for low-numbered cards from Certified 16, hadn't been able to find anything. All of a sudden, the last three months, I basically filled my sets. Like, that's the reality. And if those cards weren't getting broken down, then then we, we can't, as collectors, actually finish sets. So it's not a bad thing. It's not... It, there's. There's so many different, um, different parallel uh, sets of optics that you can look at this at, like so many different perspectives. And there's always going to be people that will find the good and the bad in every different one. But at the end of the day, I think Select, and i said I said it a couple of days ago, like Select as a manufacturer and all of the card manufacturers, Panini, Select, Topped, all these guys, Team Coach, whoever it may be, they can't win. You, you can never actually win it's can you appease more people than you upset yep. so can you look after the majority because you're always going to upset the minority it's how do you reduce down what that minority is and continue to service the many and make them happy and what they appease and appease them and ultimately from a from a judgment perspective from what i can see so far the moves that are being made here Although people want to conflate them that direct to public and direct to consumer, which means direct to collector sales, people conflate that with potentially greed or being bad or not doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, if you're a collector, it's actually a a good result because it means the product is getting directly to you without going through too many sets of hands. And that's not to say we need that. We also still we need the resellers. We need the key guys and we need guys who have been around a long time because those guys have supported the marketplace as well. However, everyone also needs to understand, and again, this is something that I'm really big in saying, how things were yesterday is not important. It's how they are today and how they're going to be tomorrow. And everyone needs to adjust no matter what level you're at. We need to adjust to the fact that that's trading cards...
0: Adjust is a really good word, and
1: it yeah, does. yeah, we need to adjust because trading cards are in a different place yeah. to where they were 12 months ago, even six months ago, let alone five years ago. Do you know what I mean? And and that's the thing: if if we can't adjust and change our expectations or our collection strategy or whatever it is, we'll ultimately just become very very jaded and left behind and exit or whatever it is. And it's it, and I don't. I don't necessarily support that way of thinking. I understand if things become too expensive, they're unattainable. And that's a different, again, that's an adaptation that needs to take place. But it is it is what it is. And we need to keep adjusting moving forward as collectors.
0: Yeah. And look, you know, obviously we, we, we give select high fives when they deserve it. And we give them a clip when they deserve it as well. And I think that... I I don't know their mantra, but I imagine it seems all the actions that they've tried to do, especially since brilliance, is that they're trying to get cards in the hands of collectors. And if anything, I think there should be more of a strategy, whether it's collectors or breakers or whoever it might be, hobby stores, whatever it might be. Let's get as much of this product open. We want the product open. You know, we don't want it sitting in a warehouse. So. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe we should, I'll, I'll reach out to Slick and see if I can get some clarification on that, but it feels like there's been a shift. There really feels like there's been a shift. Yeah. Of them trying to do and that that's thing. the
1: vibe I'm getting. Everyone I speak to and all the different, you know, and leading into a release, a couple of weeks into a release, I obviously converse with a lot of different people and they give me a lot of different bits of information and then we take that bit of information to paint what we believe it to be is a, a picture, basically. Yep. and my general feeling like my overarching feeling is that this continues to go further and further direct to, to from direct from manufacturers to consumers yep. they'll never fully the, the, i don't think that they would ever try and fully get rid of the other parts and of the marketplace and the resellers and the wholesalers and everything like that altogether. but i think the expectation that people have over attaining wholesale product for example needs to be shifted to an expectation of the market demand is so significant i just want to be able to get stock and i think that's more like what the us models become with panini where all these big big operators huge operators huge websites huge resellers they're not getting necessarily wholesale because wholesale almost doesn't exist anymore they just want retail retail but retail doesn't really they just want the stock because The RRP of the future is irrelevant the way things are going at the moment. The RRP or the suggested retail price doesn't reflect what the marketplace says something is worth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, tons of questions coming through, guys. We're I'm obviously trying to read them all while obviously listening to Jane's talk. Keep them coming through. But let's while while you know we're talking about footy stars. It's obviously the the flavour of the month. Let me just run through some of the cards and give a little bit of snapshot and I guess some of our thoughts about it. Obviously, we talked about the commons the other day and the hollows that are in every single pack. I personally think the hollows are great. Having an insert in every single packet is fantastic. The game breakers, which you and I have talked about, absolute to end in our private conversations I Love. think that is a ripping card. Yeah. That I think,
1: a I think, card. ripper. I think the game, the game breaker is a classy looking card. And yep. to me, I'm excited about the game breaker. But what I'm excited about is prestige, which surely there's going to be a prestige. What I'm excited yep. about is the fact that we start to get to see limited number of variations of these cards. So what happens with that Game Breaker? You, becomes,
0: you, reckon, you reckon they'll put them in Prestige? and numbers Well, surely.
1: It? Like, to me, that Game Breaker is a perfect setup for something like Prestige. Like, I'd love to see a numbered Game Breaker, potentially even a parallel Game Breaker. I'm not holding my breath, oh. but surely that becomes a numbered card. It's hot. That's a
0: hot card. Imagine a parallel of that. That'd be sick. All right. Um, the, and obviously, the Game Breakers, there's, uh, what is it? Right? What One in four packets. One nine. in four packs. So there's, yeah. there's nine a box. That's uh, that's handy the acetate cards which i think are really cool i guess you know you probably need to i'm waiting to hold one in person but the fact that they're see-through and they look like they're plastic or a little bit more solid they look exceptional they're one in six so the six of those a box the big surprise for me the milestone um i've never been a fan of the milestone cards i've always thought they're a little bit of a waste of space these milestone cards look really modern, and I know they're a little bit of a takeoff of the 2005 model, I believe, similar style, but I think they're a fantastic, fantastic looking card. Yeah, Crispy's agreeing you. Numbered Game Breaker would be incredible. Um, yeah. So the Milestone cards are really good. They're one in eight, so, oh, my maths not working today. So it's four in a bit of box.
1: Crispy actually just put up a break before that snap filled as well. Oh, did he? Yeah. Shout out to Daniel Ramage who got in there and assisted me with acquiring uh, the Saners
0: and uh, Crispy will fix you up after the live stream, mate. Beautiful, beautiful. (laughs) Um, Crispy, I just saw your question there. I will come back to you about the marquee card. Um, The bank card. Now, this is a box hit. Now, we've had lots of very healthy debate about the bank card. Um, I personally think it looks really good. I think it's going to look really good in person but you kind of, yeah. You... Has, hasn't excited me yet. Hasn't excited me yet.
1: First judgment when I look at it on camera is it's not, it's not a card from the set that appeals to me. However,
0: that seems I to be always, the sentiment, doesn't
1: it? it? Well, it goes both ways. Look at Mario. Mario just said, I can't wait for the bank cards. They look sick. And Mario yeah. is a long-term collector as well. I'm one of definitely yeah. the bigger collectors as well. So it, it's a really interesting situation from the vision I've seen. I'm not a fan but I learned very, very quickly a couple of years ago and then reinforced really hard with me was with Prestige, is cards just don't come across well on either video or still camera, to be honest. And having a card in hand or in your collection or on display or in your folder, whatever it is, is very, very different to seeing it on the other end of the camera. So I'm going to reserve my major judgment for that card and most of the cards but uh, till I get them in hand. But at first glance, I don't love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan at all of it.
0: Yeah, well, look, you know, I'm, yeah. And and that everyone's got their right to the opinion. And I guess, look, I haven't seen it or touched it. So, I mean, as soon as I get one in my hand, I'll be able to make a better call. And Stephen
1: Costello's just made a good uh, a good point there. Uh, it's, it's the NBA similar variant is Kaboom. Yeah, and that's exactly, own. yeah. yeah that's and, exactly. And,
0: let's, and let's just say too, I saw these comments sort of going through a little bit of through the the groups this week. There's no such thing as a new idea with cards. Cards are copied from the NBA or they're copied from soccer or they're copied from NFL. Everyone copies everyone's designs. So, um, I mean, a lot of the previous AFL cards have certainly got some DNA, that seems to be the touch word tonight, um, of previous cards from other series. So, um, yeah, I I wouldn't get too upset that it's a, you know, it's similar to the Kaboom or whatever it is. Um,
1: those Kaboom cards were super popular, super, super popular as well. Yeah, okay. um, and I get that. And I'll be honest, if the feel is like a Kaboom in hand, which is almost like those old school silver foil coated Starbursts, if anyone remembers those, or oh, not Starbursts, what were they? Those silver foil coated cards, um, the Fire Powers, were they or something like that? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the firepower, yeah. yeah. Yep. to me, that's what it's, it, it's if it's going to be like that in hand then I'm a fan. I'm definitely a fan. Um, so I, I need to, yeah, I need to wait, wait and see that. Whereas like the game breaker, I can look at that on the vision and without even having that in hand, it's hot. I'm a fan. And I know when I get it in hand, I'm going to like it even more. Yep. My, the question I have to ask myself is because I, I bulk collect a lot of cards as well, which I know oh, you? mentioned before, but to me, I don't really bulk collect series one non-numbered inserts. Yeah. That thing. So I'm in two minds about what to do with that card at the moment, the St. Kilda one. So, yeah.
0: So, obviously, Starbursts are back, and there is a Camo Starburst, which is a pretty standard um, non-numbered card. There is a Fire Starburst, which is in your favorite, the starter packs. And then there is a Lightning, which is one in every two boxes. I'm probably going to get a lot of grief for this, all right? I don't really like the Starburst I think they're really ugly to look at again I'm happy to be wrong when I hold it but the whole caricature thing it doesn't do it for me I find it really it kind of hurts my eyes and my brains um hurts my eye and brain god my brain's gone today um I kind of wish they'd move on from Starburst but clearly the kids love it would that be right
1: I think Starbursts are good because of the ongoing parallel situation. So if you're a set collector, so if you're a team set collector or a master set collector and you have your folder, let's say you've got your, your your set in a folder and you have it laid out over several years, when you see the starters come through and the different variations because there's generally like a standard one, then a starter pack one, and then a numbered type of version is what they've been doing, I actually think they're a great set that that go through, like that, that have continue to go through, I like them. In general terms, I like them. I hated the Leopard in 2020. Yeah. I thought the Leopard was atrocious, yeah. atrocious that card. Didn't mind the Galactic. And I thought the the uh, the Explosion ones, the Starter Pack ones were awesome. This year, I think they all look all right. I think the Fire ones is the best Starburst they've ever done. And I'm gonna probably get ridiculed for it. I think that Starburst from what I've seen on camera And it looks to have a gloss coating as opposed to a matte coat. Yep. And the flame effect on how it looked on camera, again, that's another one to me that's almost going to look like a dominance card does in hand, like a dominance subset card does in hand. Uh And, uh, yeah, I I think I I personally at this point in time, I reckon the flame starburst is the best burst that's ever been released.
0: Wow. Well, I guess I'll uh, have a closer look when I see them and, yeah. I mean, I guess we both agree to disagree on. this It looks order. like everyone, all
1: the all the listeners, all the viewers, agree with you on that one. So
0: yeah, I mean, I'm obviously being selective with the comments I put up, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's my right. I've got the mouse. Yeah. Um, but look, you know, you, you can't fault three different types of cards and one of them being numbered. Um, again, look, I'm happy to change my opinion. Um, anyway, yeah, the, I, I just feel like it's time for something new on like you um then we hit the marquee card which yeah. um just to clarify for everyone right there is no wooden frame around this card all right it is a beautiful optical illusion i've seen a few people have a little bit of a laugh um <laughs> gareth being very amusing there. <laughs> um, um, it's, it's a very, it, when I when I first saw the video, I'm like, oh, that actually looks like, you know, 180 or 200 point card. And then I realized that it's actually just a card. But to see that it has the same pearl finish that I presume is the same one that's on the footies finest, oh my God, I was so excited by that. I'll tell um, you what, I think it's going to be a crazy card.
1: Optical illusion and a half on the video. When it first came on the video, I'm like, jeez, I did a bit of a piss take the night before about (laughs) there being an 18-page booklet in a a box. Instead Instead of getting a row of 12 packets, you get a booklet card. And here they are putting a bloody frame inside a box. Here, <laughs> Can really, you imagine people
0: several. I, really, I reckon
1: I'm in stripe here. And then um, on the preview, when obviously the card the card moved slightly, so the card underneath became visible. You yeah. very quickly realised two things: one, it seems like a standard point card, but two, there's no physical frame. You don't get the physical frame in the uh, in the packet. So, but I think that card looks hot. I love the optical illusion aspect of it. And yep. I just, it's my first thing that came to mind is when I one touch this and put it in, into my cabinet, yeah, it, that, that frame effect, that optical yeah. illusion under light is going to pop like it will pop out and it'll look like you've got mini frames basically sitting in a cabinet on display. I can I'm, I'm very excited for it. And I'm interested to see how it prices, to be honest, and where the prices open up on the set market.
0: We're going to go through the checklist afterwards, so we'll get to some pricing in a second. Um, Then, obviously, there is – oh, yeah, so Crispy asked this earlier, the size of them. Are they going to be a 55 or a 35? Um, Crispy, obviously, we haven't held them. We don't know. My guess is it'll probably be a 35.
1: Um, oh, I suspect it looks to me like a standard, a standard, uh, yeah. like a standard twenty-point card, which effectively goes into a thirty-five-point yeah. uploader. However, it may have the protective film. It's a good question, Crispy AJ. One's going to take that on notice and uh, add it to his list of card authority questions. The list to long. To to <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Whoever gets that email in the morning is going to love me, um, and. Good thing is they've got rid of the Disneyland card, which, you know, was pretty much uh, Disneyland straight over the shoulder. And they replaced that with win $10,000 in monthly prizes. So it'll be interesting to see what that actually means. Um, I'm guessing it's probably going to be some swag or some cards or who knows what it might be. But nice that they're actually doing monthly draws as opposed to something at the end of the year. Um, obviously, I can't see on the checklist what all the fine print is, but yeah. do we um, think that do we think that Bailey Smith and Dacos are going to be the two biggest marquee cards,
1: highly sought after ones?
0: Uh, you're cutting into my run sheet here. I said we'll talk about the checklist afterwards, but yeah. yet, but yes, I think that is probably right. So hold on. Sorry, that. I wasn't listening to you. I was just reading the Read comments. The comments. Don't worry, <laughs> Darren. Darren, we will get to that. All right. Um, then we talk about the predictors. So, obviously, we've got Brownlow Predictor, pretty standard, gold. It looks like it's got a little bit, is it the 2016 feel to it, of the design?
1: Yeah. Yeah, So, the blue background, yeah, the 2016 ones, which are, for those who have back-collected sets and came into the hobby post-2016, you'll know, They are really hard to find. Brownlow predictors become really hard to find because of the nature of how they've been acquired in the past and how many end up lost, unopened, destroyed in kids' hands, whatever it may be. I like the look of it. I know a bunch of my fellow Saints collectors in the Sinclair chat group disagreed with the look of them. But, uh, yeah, I'm a a fan of them. I like the idea of deviating from where we've been last year.
0: Yep, so there's going to be uh, three... Three faces or three players and a wild card is my guess. And before anyone asks, we're going to talk about the most notable missing player in the Bowery Brownlow predictors. We'll talk about that afterwards. I feel the question's coming. Um, Then we've obviously got Premiership predictor, which they've gone in a direction year of just gold this year. Um, Numbered to 140, I believe. Um, And what I like about them this year is they've got some players on it. So it's not a really generic stale... Cup. It's actually, I think the Richmond one's got Trent Cochin Maybe not sure from the video I saw. I can't remember. Um, so that's good. But the big, the big improvement, in my opinion, is the common medal predictor.
1: Third chase card. Third opportunity for what we can only assume is going to be some sort of booklet redemption yeah, thing. Do
0: you reckon it'll be a booklet.
1: Uh, surely, surely it is. Surely yeah. they follow the same path of yeah. the Brownlow. And if that's not their plan, then hopefully after. Someone gets word to them after the show on the list Light on the list. Yeah that's right. like put it like seriously. My expectation, my expectation as a collector would be the Brownlow predictors historically have always been a booklet with a uh, miniature um a miniature medal medal in it, yeah, replica medal in it. The premiership ones have always been a set of cards because a premiership doesn't represent a single player. It represents a team. So that makes sense. A Coleman medal medal represents an individual player. My expectation would be it's a similar type of booklet with a common metal replica in it as well, yep. and if it's not that, then my expectation would, is it needs to be something really nice.
0: It must be a pair because of anything
1: less frame, would frame, be frame, let shoe frame be a shoe
0: letdown. select frame yeah, a shoe select
1: would be a letdown. Anything else, so hopefully uh, select pull through with the goods there, and um, I'll be collecting my Max King one a bit later in the year.
0: Yeah, that won't be worth much at the end of the year. Um, My winning
1: booklet, please. Yeah,
0: your winning booklet, yeah. Um, yeah, so Common Predictors, that's a fantastic initiative. From
1: well, Scott. Matty Tars just dropped a comment in there, something he's just he's, uh, mm. he's demonstrating oh. his wealth of knowledge here over me. Yep. And apparently they're going to be different colours for each team. That's cool. That's going to oh, look pretty cool. sick if you're doing is it, the, is this
0: for the Is this for the brown loads, is it? Apparently. I'm assuming right. that's
1: what Matty's talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, oh, Drew's made a good question. Would a Rising Star redemption work?
1: Love it, Drew. Love it.
0: Uh, I actually don't think it will because Come on, no Rising Star is a it's a it's a voted award, so it's not actually an award voted by the award. coaches. Yeah, no, it's a select panel. Oh, right. Um, yeah, so I'm sure there's like half a dozen players or a dozen ex-players that vote on it, just like Mark of the Year and Goal of the Year and stuff like that. I don't know whether or not you could do those sorts of awards for something that's effectively, uh, there's not really statistical data next to it. I don't know, not sure. That's just my opinion. I did see that on a thread somewhere else.
1: I support the idea. And if a St Kilda player got
0: up, I would bulk it. You'd bulk any St Kilda card anyway. Basically. Um, So really good job there with the predictors um, and overall a really, really strong series one release.
1: Yep. Very um, impressive so far. Want to yep. see it in hand.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm very impressed.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, here's Gareth's saying something here, too. Uh, Rising Star is chosen by the AFL, not Select. Yes, we know that, Gareth. Yes, I, think uh,
1: I would expect that Select has no control over who uh, the yeah. Rising Star nominee
0: no, for no. this week is. All right. So let's have a little bit of a look at the checklist. Now, again we congratulate select on a lot of fantastic things they've done in this but who was responsible for not having a matt rao brownlow predictor and bang card who
1: Am I correct? Have I read correctly? Actually, I've read other... Look, to be honest with you, I've been flat out. I haven't. I told you just before the show, I haven't even looked at the actual check. I haven't had a chance to look at the checklist. Mm -hmm. I do have Select's website up on the screen in front of me here. So I'm looking at the same, the, the sales page, basically on their website, which has the ratios in it. But I have read many a comment of not only is there no Brownlow predictor or bank card, apparently there is no Matt Rao card at all in the whole series. No, no, there has to be, surely. Apparently there's not. So I don't know if there, there must be a base card. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's a base card, but apparently there's no Matt Rao
0: cards. Uh, oh, no. But am I right? There's no... Oh, no. There's there's no common... Oh, no, we're in trouble here. Uh, is there a hollow? Oh, there wouldn't be if there's no common... Oh, there's no common? Well, if there's no common, then surely there's no subset insert. What about, what about a Starburst? Hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. This is way too small for me. Just talk as you will, Janks, while I have all also- so, Okay, so
1: if the mail is correct, or the mail in the context of comments I have read on social media, and there is no Matt Rao card, so it's... Oh, only- there is.
0: There's a Starburst.
1: Oh, there's a Starburst. Okay, there's I was going to say... It could only come down to a few different things. The fact he didn't play games, there would have been a limit on AFL Uh, media. Everyone's
0: saying Starbucks. I should have just asked you guys. So
1: so there would have been a limit on the AFL media's photographs. And I know that last year it was already presenting a concern for all licensees, not just the card manufacturers, but all licensees had major concern because of the way the competition took place. The AFL media, which supplies the official licensed image to the licensees, did not acquire many shots and as a result of that the manufacturers and all licensees across all channels merchandise channels were heavily restricted in the choices that were available for cards and often if a player is not represented in cards in any sport it's due to a generally a, a licensing issue with respect to images and availability or it could be so far as to be a being precluded from an individual contract that a player may have as well right okay um so well, i on, i'm, I'm, I'm reading in far. the
0: comments here that there is a hollow i am just chip my eyes are not good tonight no, i don't think there is a hollow
1: martin davis has put a good comment up
0: has he yeah a Tick for select no, or something that i just mentioned to you in before in the show Miami. actually no need to wait around to release day it allows uh-huh. people to view and have a genuine chase absolutely um yeah so it looks like there's only a rail star a rail starburst maybe an acetate i don't know why i'm I'm trying to find this myself you guys can probably all tell me so i
1: agree with uh marty wholeheartedly i reckon i reckon the, the the public rollout like the marketing and content campaign yeah next level yeah we we saw we saw the stuff happen late last year when they introduced Lynn Gilmartin, the high-tech and very suave-looking whole setup and everything for their campaign. Yep. Very impressive that they've gone down the same path with a Series 1 product. But what's even more impressive is wow. I feel like it's the first time they've actually released all the information. <laughs> they've actually released all, all the images and all the previews and all the information prior to a product coming out which allows people to get a better understanding. And what I think it will actually do is reduce backlash. If the product does sell out really quickly, people knowing what was in it, which gave them confidence to buy it first up, will will actually have have a positive effect because there might be people who would otherwise sit on the fence and go, I'm not buying until I see a checklist when someone who opens the first box puts a checklist up on social media. So to me, I was very much someone like that in the past that wanted to see the checklist and never ever came out until the day of release or it didn't actually come out. It only came like they never actually released it for a a day after release sort of thing. So to me, I think, uh, yeah, as you said, a massive tick of the box across the board with that campaign, but the underlying factor is people can now make a really informed decision if they want to buy packets, boxes, a case starter packs, whatever it is. So yep. yeah, well done, well done. Yeah,
0: checklists sure. need to be pre, pre, pre-released for every every set. Yeah, I, I hope
1: Yeah, I agree, wholeheartedly agree. And I, hopefully it's the, the start of a trend for the select guys as well. And I, I'm hoping that they did that with the realization that that's what people actually wanted, you know?
0: Yeah, and for rail fans, yeah, let's hope that is more in prestige and maybe Maybe if they do Marquee again, he might be the next Marquee player. Yeah. So, anyway, Raul fans, I just had to address it. I've had lots of messages about it. Lots of people ask. But, yes, he is on an acetate. He is on a starburst. I couldn't see him in the hollow foils, but I will have a look again when I put my glasses on. Just on what
1: Peter Buchanan has said. Yep. uh, That you just had up on the screen.
0: Yeah, I'm getting
1: that up. uh, That then obviously begs the question or creates the conversation, I suppose, around, okay, Well, a lot of people are looking at it going, the marquee cards, especially going, well, why is it this player? It shouldn't be this player. It shouldn't be that player. Why is this player? Something that everyone needs to keep in the back of their mind is last year, we were all complaining about the repetitive nature of players being used for high-end cards in every series. I can only assume they're trying to get a much better player spread to address those concerns that everyone had, albeit I know you love having dusty cards as every single insert. Just like I like lots of Jack Steele cards, but keep copying Seb Ross ones instead.
0: Hmm. Well, he's the best player, it's a yeah. um, um, Chris, um, Nick
1: Cofield is the marquee card. Awesome. Bulking. Yep. bulking. And,
0: and look, let's have a look at the marquee cards because you're right, about player spread is really good. A lot of these guys, and I'm sure you'll be able to correct this for me. So um, Chase Jones, I think it is for Adelaide. Zach Bailey for Brisbane. Harry Mackay for Carlton. That's an interesting choice. I don't know how... I guess Walsh was on the showstopper last year. Josh Dacos for Collingwood. Now, we talked about it before. He is going to be heavily, heavily in demand for Collingwood, Josh Dacos. Jordan Ridley for Essendon. Actually, I didn't notice that before. He's a ripping player. Adam Serra for Fremantle. Brandon Parfitt, who I spoke to a Geelong supporter today. He was incredibly excited about Parfitt being the Geelong card, so that's great. Perry Perryman for GWS. Um, so clearly, you know, Perryman, uh, I saw, I think it was Daniel Ramage the other day. He wasn't overly thrilled with the Perryman solution. I selection. don't even
1: know about this Perryman. The only Perry I know is like Perry Perry chicken.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, <laughs> Isaac Rankin from Gold Coast. He is a superstar. I think he will be a popular card. Yeah. Um, Will Day for Hawthorne. Yeah, that's a that's a good one, I think. I had a, a Hawthorne uh, friend of mine message me the other night. He goes, I would sleep with Will Day before my wife. And I'm wow. like, wow.
1: So did you recommend a divorce lawyer? Or- <laughs> well, <laughs> well,
0: I thought at first maybe he chose poorly, but then it also shows that a kid that's only played a handful of games last year, yeah. Hawthorne supporters are loving him. Well, I think Lovely. the
1: demand on his rookie and DPS card probably paint the picture that he is in demand. Yeah, he's in demand.
0: Yeah, definitely in demand. Um, Luke Jackson for Melbourne. Obviously, yep. that's a great choice. He's a ripper. Uh, Cameron Zerhaf for North Melbourne. Actually, I never knows him. He is a real cult fan of North Melbourne supporters. So um, definitely uh, he will be popular. Zach Butters for Port Adelaide. Shy Bolton for Richmond. I mean, I'm going to certainly want the card. Um, You know, he probably absolutely deserves it. They went a little bit astray with Sydney Stack last year, so hopefully Shy Bolton doesn't get the the kebab factor to him and he's out of the team next year. Nick Caulfield for St. Kilda, which you've spoken about, you're quite happy about. Row bottom for Sydney. Luke, or Liam Duggan for West Coast, who I think um, West Coast fans are pretty happy with him, but the big one. Bailey Smith for the Western Bulldogs.
1: Cult following.
0: Wow. That is going to be uh, heavily. That and the Dacos card are going to be heavily, heavily, heavily in demand.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, yeah, yeah I, th- I think so too. Uh, I think those are definitely the bigger ones. Anthony Gatz just uh, throwing a good card. Yeah, comment.
0: I was going to bring that up. So let's talk a little bit about pricing. Where do you see those those heavily in demand cards? And I think they're numbered to 70. Numbered to 70, so
1: the equivalent of a silver showstopper show numbering. Yeah. Yeah. I see I think we see them open up on the market between anywhere between sort of 250 and 600.
0: Six hundred. So you think the... the, the gold oh, I, think there, uh, I think
1: there's potential for the right, you know, some low numbers of the correct ones and the more yep. desirable ones to be higher priced. However, where it opens and where it settles, I think, are two different things as well, yep. as we've seen with the showstoppers and sort of what happened. What's interesting is the silver showstoppers had a funny wave that came out really high, then it started to dump off, then it settled and it started to go back up and they've become really scarce. It's almost harder to find the silvers... Number to seventy than it is to find the golds. Number to forty. I'm finding at the moment, so
0: yeah, I mean, and, and, that's really
1: interesting. So I think they start high, and I think your lower teams, the Gold Coast and stuff. Ah,
0: see, 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 Gold Coast. I think that's that's an interesting one because ranking is a sensational choice. It's All still
1: right? a, limit, a limited base of team collectors. I think I would.
0: So. I would. One run. I reckon he's going to be a superstar. Mm. So. I don't think it's going to be another Braden Fiorini like last year where you can't give them away for a hundred bucks. Yeah. I definitely can't see that being the situation with a card like that.
1: Yeah. And I also, I don't think that there's a card that's like the Stevenson that literally opened at like 800 or a thousand dollars. I don't see it. I think think Smith might be
0: that. Sorry. I think as the
1: Western Bulldogs base, isn't there to support that price level. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, probably collingwood and the collingwood collectors are going to hate this obviously but i'm just stating reality here dacos is a is a marquee name and a marquee player and he suits the card and the amount of people before that preview came out that said oh i hope it's a dacos showstopper and then it turns out to be a dacos card is probably a reflection that a bunch of the pies collectors want it so i think pricing wise probably yeah that the dacos dacos is probably Sets the top of the market. Dacos or Will Days type of thing set the top of the market. Bailey Smith as well. And then to me, that you know, your Frio, GWS, Gold Coast and stuff, albeit the players oh, yeah. are great players. I'm,
0: I'm, getting, I'm getting a lot of rank and support here for my take here. Uh, yeah.
1: Let's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see in a couple of weeks.
0: We'll see what happens. We'll
1: see in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, I feel, I feel that that's the case. And Anthony, um, as someone who's been around as a major player for the last two decades, Yep. I'm keen to hear what you actually think about that, and if if you're ranging it the same sort of way as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I um, I think it's exciting times. Yeah. Yeah, Janks, bit of feedback there from Darren.
1: Sorry, Daza, and Jacob Capitan has just absolutely counted against me here, and he's correct. Yeah. Put up Capitan's comment. I'll concede. I will concede, Jacob. Absolutely. Yep says the Norton 01 Showstopper went for 600. Who's got the bigger following, Smith or Norton? (laughs) My question for you is, would the Norton 01 Showstopper right now sell for $600 or would it actually go for a lot more if it was to go on the market right now? Because I've seen that the on the rise one Norton, which is a much higher quantity is in fact, almost $1,000. So, so, yeah.
0: Um, All right, so look, Obviously, you know, we'll, we'll, we will we'll probably won't do a show on Sunday, but we will certainly do a show next, uh, I don't know. We'll do it next week once everyone's got cards in their hands and we'll, uh, we'll certainly be uh, talking about a lot more of these and there's obviously <laughs> going to be lots of feedback, not only through the breaks pages, but of course through really good vibes where everyone will no doubt share their hits and talk yeah. about their
1: cards. I can already tell and I'm not trying to brag that the numbers, the viewing numbers on this live stream across like the duration of it and the amount of comments. If you are on this stream in real time right now, congratulations, you are officially part of the biggest ever card authority, or at this point, at least during a live stream, the biggest ever card authority authority broadcast
0: so far. So It's not not about us.
1: No, but it shows how excited people are for the release, which again, it takes us back to the beginning of the program. It's an absolute measurement of what's going on here.
0: So let's talk a little bit about what is going on in the future. And obviously a few people have mentioned it um, and I saw a comment. I won't attempt to scroll up and try to find it. When do we think that say prestige and we're all assuming that it's probably going to be prestige. It was so successful last year. When would you think prestige is going to come out? Are we talking months and months away or do you think that select are going to try to stack these releases up a little bit closer together?
1: So I think our consensus is the forecasting we did a few weeks ago of what releases we expect to see this year. Nothing has changed for me in that sense. I think we see a series 1.5, whether it's called prestige or not, I don't know. I think we see a, su- a true series two again, which won't be dominance because I don't see how they continue to do dominance. Come again on legacy. Life.
0: Come on legacy. Yeah, I
1: hope it's legacy and I hope there's future all things, but I know everyone keeps saying it's impossible to do future all things this close. Um, so, uh, I don't know. There's going to be the series two. We're all expecting Supremacy is going to come out again. I think we're expecting, as is everyone else, the brilliance is coming again after the success of that had.
0: Oh, you reckon they'll go that again,
1: do you? Yeah. Well, if not brilliance, then surely it's something along the same lines. Yeah. Okay. Unless yep. the market fully, like, has, you know, d- deflates at that point in time and demand diminishes significantly, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't people, you know, continue yep. a set? Why wouldn't they release something
0: to, c- to continue? Yeah. Okay. So, getting back to whatever this 1.5 release is for the Series 2, do you think it's something that they're going to try to keep momentum with and get out as soon as possible? Or do you think they're, they're going to try to hold a little bit and spread these out throughout the year?
1: Uh, uh, hard to say. I probably think Prestige. What was the distance between the two releases last year? Was it two months or something like that?
0: Yeah, something like two and a half months maybe.
1: Yeah, so it was eight or ten weeks from footy stars to prestige, but there was also a heavily COVID-impacted market. That's when this all came out right at the start of the big lockdowns and everything last year, especially in Victoria. Yep. Um, I reckon surely they measure the market. They expect that we're in a different place to where we were last year, so the velocity and frequency of sale of Series 1 will be more significant they would be taking measurements of the market just like we are at the moment and of demand. Yep. I would think on that basis, they would be wanting to probably try and release that a bit earlier than usual and keep it because people are going to consume footy stars so quickly. You probably want to keep the steam going in the market a bit there actually.
0: So if, if last year they did four releases, it's right, footy stars, prestige, dominance and brilliance. If you think that they're going to do another one in the form of supremacy there and make it five, that surely means they've got to do it quicker, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, it either means they have to do it quicker or the second half of the year has a bunch of releases stacked into each other. But for considering that Series 2, Supremacy, and if there's a brilliance type of release or higher end and they have a higher price point, which means a more significant barrier to entry from a consumer perspective, it would make sense that they would actually try and bring releases forward, mm. forward so they are not, they're, not, they're not basically causing buyer's fatigue. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? All at once. You're talking about... Which,
0: which is something we called at the end of last year. That's right. And, and then they drop brilliance. And, and then
1: they, they drop brilliance. And it, exactly snaps, right.
0: and, it, and it snaps sold.
1: Well, it snaps sold, but it injected a bunch of steam into the market. And to be honest with you, the hype we're seeing now around footy stars, we have to look at brilliance and say that's a contributing factor because it brought all these new people into the hobby as well and well, created, a, that, a, fear, that, that, created that, that, a fear of missing out and hysteria as well. That's a good so, point from Dale. Maybe they will do alternate years uh, yeah. of ruins and supremacy.
0: That good would make call. Sense
1: I hadn't maybe. even thought about it that way. I had yeah. not even thought about it that way. So yeah. maybe we see a draft, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some other draft release or something like that. You know, so I, I don't know. But either way, I don't see it being a smart move stacking, you know, what would arguably be millions
0: of dollars worth of releases into a short period of time heading into Christmas. Yeah, that's a good call cool um okay so look obviously we're going to talk plenty about footy stars over the next little while um i am conscious of time i just want to quickly touch on grading i know it's the the conversation and chat that we uh, we've we always seem to just never have time to talk about grading yeah. um i noticed there was a, a thread that went up on good vibes last week of I can't remember who it was now that I think about it, but there were a whole series of PSA 10 and 9s and 8s um, footy cards which looked it was Gareth Edwards, it was Gareth, one, okay. one, one of
1: our trolls on the live stream here, yeah, yeah.
0: So, and I noticed like the, the red parallels from Footy Stars, oh boy, they looked exceptional. And then tonight, just before I went on air, I saw a dusty metal card PSA 10 on eBay. Yeah. Um, and I think it was right, it's a, Yeah. It's so yeah. Annoying. 350 bucks. So, I don't know. I look, I only had a chance to have a look at it for a couple of minutes before I went on air, but gee, it's a good looking card slabbed. Gee, it, it, and those reds looked great. I really think there is going to be a wave of grading. And full disclosure, I've sent off some cards to be graded. So, I'm looking forward to getting them back and having a look. But, um, I really feel like, and I know we've been going on about this for about six months or so, grading is coming to AFL. It is it is, it is definitely coming. When? I,
1: I, I agree. I don't know to what extent. There's certainly that post and other posts that have been put up in the last couple of months to do with grading, basically they generate a huge amount of conversation and very strong opinions that go both directions. I definitely think that grading is a thing for certain types of cards. It won't work across the board. It's particular, but in saying that, if I have to talk about grading right now, We're going to end up here till two o'clock in the morning. I need need a double episode just to talk about grading. basically.
0: And we we will do it. I know we get lots of messages about it. We will definitely do a grading. And I want some
1: experts on board. I want want Dale from Cherry on board. I want Lane Pierce, you know, to come on board potentially. I want want some other experts in the grading side of things because all we can do is give opinions about how we feel about it in the modern marketplace.
0: I, I really feel like... We need some really well-qualified people to talk about it as well. Absolutely. And I guess, yeah, we're consumers. So, look, we are looking at a couple of things with grading on a commercial level, obviously, because obviously I've gone through the process now, sending some cards. But let's put a pin in that. We probably won't get to it next week because of Footy Stars. But uh, we will definitely, definitely talk about grading in the next couple
1: of weeks weeks you can see the comments coming through now it's obviously yeah. a very hot topic and we will, we will we will definitely we just want to give it the right amount of air time because it's a really significant conversation
0: yeah absolutely with absolutely. a lot of aspects to it yeah, yeah i i completely agree all right so look let's uh let's wrap up the episode with everyone's favorite segment unicorn hunting <coughs> oh, excuse me just as i was doing my big intro there um We've obviously had a very successful couple of weeks with um, with unicorn hunting. Um, some might have seen a post on Good Vibes or on Card Authority. Um, we were tracking down an Aaron Norton DPS. We slayed that unicorn, and um, Capitan helped out um, Adam, I believe it was, who was looking for it. Yeah, yep. your name. Sorry, yep. um, Adam Adam Ferte. Yeah. So, well done to those involved. There was also another one, a Jacob's booklet. Oh, I want to say that it was Lucas Plapp, but I can't remember. I'm not really prepared tonight. I'm sorry. But really great news that we've had two unicorns found already this year. So, a unicorn for tonight, all right, and again, we talk about a lot of high-value cards. This is not a high-value card, but it is very rare. So, Andrew has reached out to us, and he's looking for a 2019 AFL Draft Picks, DP is the code, Caleb Sarong. Now, the card's only probably worth 100 bucks, you know what I mean? But it's an incredibly short print run. I think there's only about 40 of them, 50 of them, something like that. So, it's a 2019 select AFL Draft Picks, DP8, Caleb Sarong. Andrew is looking for this card to complete his Fremantle set. If anyone out there has one, make sure you reach out to us. We will see if we can connect you and help do a deal, whether it's trade or cash. We're not buying it, everyone. We do not buy unicorns, but we will certainly help make it happen. So 2019, Caleb Sarong AFL draft pick see if you can help Andrew out. It will be on the website tomorrow if you need to see a picture of it, but let's see if we can slay another unicorn before footy stars next week.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, AJ, you have done a magnificent job here again this evening, but most importantly, those who have tuned in as part of the live stream. Um, thank you guys so much because what, what an amazing conversation tonight and the contribution in the comments speak for themselves. It's, uh, it's just it's it's exciting where things are at it's the the level of the conversation is a reflection of how strong the hobby is and how big things are but also how emotionally invested we all are in it as well and the excitement and the conversation and the sense of of community and everything so it's uh it's awesome and uh yeah thank you to everyone and thanks to you aj and everyone who continues to uh to get involved and, and allow us to, to keep doing this and indulging us in it. So thank you.
0: Well, it's, it's certainly not about us. It's about you guys, the listeners. And if we can help in any tiny little way, it is fantastic. So look, we'll wrap the show up guys. Thank you for all your questions As Jen said, remember footy stars release or pre-sale release is 10 a.m. Australian Eastern daylight saving time. You can get it through the select website. You will be able to pick it up from supermarkets. Caltech service stations, news agents, hobby stores, all that sort of thing. Remember, be kind to each other. It's a stressful time. We all want cards, but just remember, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Thank you, That's, Jenks. Awesome thank you. as always.
1: Good stuff. Thanks. And thanks, everyone. And uh, we will see you on the next episode, and we will catch you all over the internet.